0: Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is from the Sword of the Spirit Bible Conference. This is the evening service of Thursday the 18th of February 2016, entitled The Fifth Sparrow. And the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 11, verse 53, to Luke chapter 12, verse 6. Here's Pastor Brian Beaver. Well, amen. You glad to be here tonight? Say amen. Amen. Good to see all of you. Thank God for some visitors that I... I've just gotten to meet for the first time. Thank God for Reese and his family being here and for my friends from Romania. Uh, and also pastors, uh, Tibby's dad's back with us. I had to be at the airport yesterday evening, but, um, I'm thankful when other pastors are in the, in the service. It helps the spirit of the meeting. It doesn't help the offering much, but it helps the spirit of the meeting. Amen. But anyway, amen. But anyway, uh, just thank God for all of you being here. I appreciate so much, uh, you coming out on this, uh, uh, dreary and I know don't have many dreary nights in England, right? Uh, but, uh, no, am so tongue in cheek, but, uh, but I'm so thankful that you came out tonight and I hope and pray that you came, uh, with an open heart, uh, because what I want to speak to you about tonight is something that, uh, God, God gave me about a half a year ago. I was reading through scripture. You ever read through something and you've read it a hundred times. But then all of a sudden, Peter, it's like it just jumps right off the page and hits you like a V8, you know? Should have had a V8, you know? And, um, I don't know if that's an American thing, but anyway. Um, anyway, it, it just, it just, it, it arrests your soul. In other words, it gets your attention. And, and I think when God speaks, we ought to listen. Amen. And so I want you to listen tonight to what Jesus has to say. Uh, Luke chapter number 11. I want you to look at Luke 11. Luke chapter number 11, and we'll begin in verse number um, I guess we'll begin in verse number fifty three and we'll read down through chapter twelve to about verse number six, but uh Luke chapter number eleven and verse number fifty three I want you to look at what it says. it says and as he Jesus uh, said these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently i don't I can't put enough emphasis on that word vehemently but it literally means they were pressing upon him. They were literally, you know how like people poke at you? That's what they were doing to our Savior, okay? It says, and as, as he spake uh, these things unto them, the scribes and the Pharisees began to urge him vehemently and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying wait for him and seeking to catch something out of his mouth that, he, that they might accuse him. Now, let me explain what they're doing. They're trying, to, they're trying to catch Jesus in some type of lie. They're trying to catch in Him something that they can accuse Him of. Can I say this tonight? Whatever Jesus Christ says, you can take it to the bank. It's the truth. Jesus Christ even said in His high priestly prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, He made this statement, guys. He said, Sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. You can take what God says to the bank. Because it's the truth, amen? God, by the way, Titus chapter 1, verse 2, says God who cannot lie. You may have a friend that tells you a fib. You may have a kid that tells you a lie. But our Heavenly Father will never lie to us, amen? He's going to tell you the truth. But then you you read in chapter 12, and by the way, these are not inspired. Chapter divisions, verse divisions are not inspired. So this is a letter, and it's from the account of a doctor who was following one of his disciples, Luke, the doctor, the physician, was following Christ, and he makes this statement. I want you to look at what he says in chapter 12, verse 1. And in the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trawled one upon another, he began to say unto them, unto his disciples, first of all, beware ye, I want you to listen up and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. You know what he was talking about? He basically was saying this, preacher, he was saying, I want you to beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Beware of the doctrine. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, if anybody comes to you and tells you there's any other way to get to heaven other than Jesus Christ, you get as fast and as far away from it as you can. Amen? Right. That is a major tenet of our faith that we, listen, we rest upon. Listen, your faith is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? Amen. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, you gotta beware of the doctrine that's going around. A lot of people say, you know what? You gotta have faith in yourself. You gotta have faith in your faith. No, you better have faith in God. Amen? And so, ladies and gentlemen, tonight, you gotta beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees. They had a, a, an insidious way of contorting religious and doing religious calisthenics, if you will, with what God was trying to say in His Word in the Torah, if you will. They were applying things uh, improperly. And ladies and gentlemen, we see that with preachers on the TV, with uh, evangelists and, and with pastors that are all around this country and all around the globe that teach their people something that is erroneous and not lines up with the Word of God. I'm going to tell you what, you better thank God for your pastor. You better thank God for Pastor Larry who preaches forth the Word of God without fear or favor of anybody that sits in this room. Amen? But I want you to look at what he says next. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Can I say this tonight? It would be easier for you to hide a moving elephant with a postage stamp than to try to hide your sin from Almighty God. There's a lot of people that try to hide what they're doing from Almighty God. You know what Psalm 139 verse 1 says, guys? Oh God, thou hast searched me and known me. You've known my down sitting, my uprising. You've even known my thought afar off. If I make my bed in hell, thou art there. If I ascend into the heavens, thou art there. You can't get away from it, can you, Brother Carl? God Almighty knows where you live. He knows your cell phone number. He knows your zip code. He knows everything about you. So I don't know why we're sitting around trying to hide something from the God that knows everything. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what he's saying here is this. There's nothing covered that shall not be revealed. By the way... My dear friend Dave Kisser, your dad, Nathan, taught me this. He said, you know, whatever you cover up, God will uncover. But whatever you uncover, God will cover with His grace and His blood. Amen? And so, by the way, folks, it's time for us to be honest and say, God, you know me. I'm not going to try to fake you. I'm not going to try to put on some varnish for your act. But I'm going to be what I say I am. Amen? Look at verse 3. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in the darkness shall be heard in the light. By the way, folks, don't doubt in darkness what's being revealed to you in the light. Don't doubt in the darkness what's been revealed to you in the light. Make some decisions right now in your life that when you get in the darkest hour of your life, you won't have to try to make those decisions. You know what? My kids didn't have to get up on Sunday morning and go, Mom and Dad, are we going to church today? You don't know why? Because we made that decision a long time ago, Pastor, that we were going to be in God's house when God's time, when God's Word was going to be preached. Amen? Amen? Some of y'all say I, you speak too fast. I, I, literally, I can't contain what's inside of me sometimes. Just pray for me, okay? Just pray for me. Look at verse 3. And that which you have spoken in the ear in closet shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Jesus even made this statement in Matthew 7. He said, listen, when you pray in secret, your Father which seeth in secret shall reward you openly. Whatever you, listen, whatever you brag about down here ain't going to be recorded in heaven. But what you keep silent here on earth will be one day broadcast in heaven. Amen? There's a recording angel in heaven, and if you want to get your glory down here for it, the God of heaven looks at the recording angel and says, don't write that down. Amen? Look at verse 4. I say unto you, my friends. I'm glad that God calls us His friends. Amen? I'm glad I'm a friend of God. He says unto you, my friends, be not afraid of them that can kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. You know what he's saying? Don't, listen, don't be afraid of somebody that can just kill you. he says, why would he be saying that? Because they were pressing upon him to accuse him and even were trying to, uh, to do bodily harm to our Savior. Okay, But then he makes this statement. I want you all to listen to this. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him. Fear him who hath power not only to kill, but hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say fear him. And then it's almost like in the middle of all of this, he throws this statement in here. It's on the screen. Look at it. He said, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings. And yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Now you say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? Well, in that day, you could go to the market and you could buy sparrows. All right. In that day, you could buy five sparrows for two farthings. The word farthing is another word for a penny. Okay. A penny, not worth much, right? Now, that don't mean much, but I want to take into account another disciple's recounting of this story when he was with Jesus. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. Pastor, I want to show you something. Matthew chapter number 10. Nathan, I want you to listen to what, what Jesus said here. Now, Matthew is recounting this. Luke, the doctor, says, Can, you can't, listen, he heard it this way. Jesus said, cannot five sparrows be bought for two farthings? Okay? But look at Matthew 10, 29. Now, I I encourage you that when you study the Word of God, that you read it line upon line, precept upon precept, and you study it in context, okay? Okay? You study the Word of God contextually. I want you to look at what it says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 29. The Scripture says these words, are not two sparrows Sold for one farthing. And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. In other words, not one of them is going to fall, he, to the ground without our heavenly father knowing about it. You say, preacher, what in the world are you trying to say tonight? Now, I want you all to think about this with me. I'm not a high mathematician, okay? By the way, I don't even like math. I don't even like to preach out of the book of Numbers, amen? I don't like math, okay? I'm just telling you. But I'm gonna say this tonight, Carl. Jesus made this statement. Five sparrows can be sold for two farthings. But then Jesus said in Matthew 10 that two sparrows can be sold for one. Now let's do the math. If you can get two for one, that means you can get four for two. But for two farthings, it says you can buy five. You know what the, listen, practically speaking, you know what it's saying? When you bought two pennies worth of sparrows, you got a one thrown in for free. Huh? Now, I know I'm not a high mathematician, but you intelligent people can figure this out, amen? When you bought two pennies worth of sparrows at the market, you got one freebie, amen? You got a freebie! You say, preacher, what's your point? I want to talk to you tonight about the fifth sparrow. The fifth sparrow. You say, preacher, what do you mean? This is what I mean. You know, in that day, Peter, you could go to the market and you could buy five sparrows for two pennies. Now, I don't know about you, but you, you know, you can't buy a whole lot with a penny. But in that day, you could buy two sparrows or you could buy four or five for two. They weren't worth much. In other words, it's a, listen, it's the law of supply and demand. There's not a whole lot of demand is there Reese, for sparrows. We don't go out on Thanksgiving into the market and buy 20 sparrows to feed for Thanksgiving supper, do we? There's not a big demand for sparrows. They're not worth much. But yet the Scripture says that not one of them, not one of them, Pastor, is going to fall to the ground without my Heavenly Father knowing about it. And by the way, let me remind you what Jesus said he said, behold, in Matthew 6, listen to this. He said, behold, the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do the reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than them? Can I tell you something, folks? Have you, let me just go ahead and just cut to the chase. Have you ever felt like a fifth sparrow? You ever felt like you weren't worth much? I'm talking to some people in this room tonight. Listen to me. I'm talking to some people in this room tonight who have discounted who they are in Christ. They don't think they're worth much because they're not, a, they're not gifted. They're not talented. But do you know what the, you know what the God of heaven says? If I care about a sparrow who ain't worth nothing, you are a whole lot more worthy than they are. But yet not one of them's going to fall to the ground without me knowing about it. You ever felt like a fifth sparrow? I have. Ain't worth much. You know, I had a, had a mom, and I believe that God's done a real work in my mom's heart, but there was times in my life when I was a young man, and I remember my mom making statements like this, I wish you were like so-and-so. Why can't you make grades like so-and-so? And do you know what? I went through my whole life with an inferiority complex because I didn't measure up to what I thought the level of of whatever integrity that my mom wanted me to have and I felt about this big. But it wasn't until I got saved and by the way folks, it probably wasn't until about last October that it really hit me who I am. I'm a saint of Almighty God. I'm a child of the King. I am more... Listen, I am more important to God than a sparrow he who he says, if it falls to the ground, I know about it. You know what I I don't know about here, but in America we've got a a high surplus of sparrows. (laughs) Can I can I tell you we got too many of them? Matter of fact, we got so many that they'll build nest, usually right over the doorway. And I don't have to tell you what happens when you walk out of the doorway and you feel something on top of your head and you go, that is not what I expected when I walked out the door this morning. So sparrows can make you kind of ill. They're really not worth a whole lot. But can I ask you something? Do you feel that way sometimes? Do you ever feel like a freebie? you ever feel like you're so insignificant that you don't matter? Some of y'all come from families, and you know what? You've got a lot of brothers and sisters, and you may even be the youngest. You may be the middle child. You ever, you ever got a middle child syndrome? My wife's a middle child. I don't know what that's about because I only had a younger sister. But they say a middle child's usually the one that gets left out, and you don't even remember their birthday heart some of the times. And You know what? You may be the youngest, and everybody else gets the attention, and you don't. You may be at work, and you feel like a fifth sparrow. Can I say something tonight? God needs fifth sparrows. God needs them. He needs fist sparrows. You say, preacher, what is your point tonight? My point tonight is this. The very premise of my message is this. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care how insignificant you feel. I want you to understand tonight that you are as special to God. God didn't make junk. And you are the apple of His eye. And you better understand that not only who you are, but whose you are in Christ. And even if a fifth sparrow is not worth a whole lot, the God of heaven said, not one of them is forgotten before my face. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, I want you to understand the fifth sparrow. What does the world say about a fifth sparrow? Well, let me explain something. The town bully, that one who don't care about life itself, you know what the town bully would do? Now, the town bully is a representative of Satan. You know what I found out about our enemy? And by the way, I've said this a lot to Bethel, and you know what? We probably need to hear it again because the church thinks that everybody in the church is their archenemy. We Baptists have a, in a twisted way of multiplying by division. Do you know what I'm talking about? We get bigger churches by dividing other churches and going and building another church over here and got the audacity to call it Unity Baptist Church. Amen? We'll start another church three blocks down the street and call it Unity Charity Baptist Church. Like we're really showing love by dividing. Let me tell you something, folks. It's time for us to understand that even God, even God Himself loves fifth sparrows. If you feel like a fifth sparrow, let me explain something tonight. The enemy himself is like the town bully. You know what the town bully would do to a sparrow, Nathan? He would clip its wings, throw it out in the street and say, let the cats play with it till they kill it. That's what the world thinks about a fifth sparrow. That's what your enemy thinks about a fifth sparrow. Not much value to it. You ever, you know what, you, what we were looking at pictures when uh, Nathan was over in, in, uh, in Israel this past year and he's, he had a picture of a peacock. You ever seen a peacock? Have you ever thought about looking at a peacock and a sparrow right beside of it? You know, a sparrow's about five to six and a half inches long, about three inches tall. They're usually gray, black, or brown, no color, but a peacock, you know, you know, and it's just woo! You know, old peacock, man, it's beautiful. But can I explain something tonight? Even that sparrow is as special as that peacock. Because listen to me, that sparrow is before the eyes of the omniscient one every single day just like the peacock just because you're not lights and smoke and mirror shows and you don't have all this ability and you don't have the talents that somebody else has doesn't mean that you're not important god loves you and he loves the fifth sparrow you know what the town you know what the town market says the town market says, you know what? You could put 50 sparrows together, deep fry them puppies. You could put them on a plate and it wouldn't even make a good appetizer because they don't go a long way. But you know what God says? If his eye is on a sparrow, I know he's watching me. Can I explain something tonight, folks? Folks. Your enemy is not your brother-in-law. Your enemy is not your wife or your husband. Your enemy is not your brother or sister. Your enemy is the devil, Satan himself, and it's time for us to lock arms and do business with God and be an army of one through him instead of dividing and trying to conquer something we'll never do because I'm going to tell you right now, when David was in the Valley of Eli, I can guarantee you the armies of of, of Israel were saying, man, David, he is too big. Goliath is too big to hit. And David said, he's too big to miss. I'm sure the people in that day, when they were quaking in their boots, the armies of Israel were looking down and saying, man, look how big he looks to you, David. And David said, look how little he looks to my God. It's time, folks, for us to understand, listen to me, that the enemy wants to, you know what John 10, 10, Jesus himself said these words, a thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come, brother, that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Amen. Why is it that we've got so many people that are miserable? Nathan made this statement. Why is it we see so many people that are sad? Why is it that we, listen, we can get excited about going to a pitch and watching a soccer game or a football game? Why is it that we can go to Cirque de Soleil and watch all those things and, and get entertained and be excited, but we come in the house of God and it looks like we're going to the morgue? Like they need to come through here and find out who's really dead so they can bury them. I present you, brethren, I p- beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice I'm tired of preaching to dead people. Amen. I'm tired of preaching to dead I'm tired of going into places and preaching where it's, it's so stiff and so hard and there's like a wall up. You know what? I'm, I'm glad you can go somewhere where there's liberty and where there's freedom to listen, to unfold the word of God and give it to God's people and they at least have a smile on their face. Amen. Can at least smile about it. Hey, praise God. But what about what about what about the what about the fifth sparrow? You know what the enemy says? Enemy says it ain't worth a, ain't worth a nickel, ain't worth a pence, nothing. Maybe you're there that maybe you're right there tonight. Maybe you don't feel like you're worth much to God. See, the enemy says I've come to the kill to steal and destroy. See, the enemy wants to toy with you. He wants to totally torment you, and ultimately destroy your life. And God, listen, the devil knows he can't kill God. So what he'll do is he'll, listen, he'll try to kill the next best thing, and that is you as the very image of Almighty God. Tired of people walking around. Well, you know what? I'm going to get me another book, and I'm going to read about self-esteem. Now what? you know what? It'd be about time for you to pick up this book. Let's pick this book up, and let's read about what God says about us. We're more than conquerors. I, listen, he says, you know what? Neither death nor life nor principalities nor things present nor things to come neither height nor death nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I say this tonight? Well glory, hallelujah. hallelujah. Why don't you pick up this book and read what it says about having some esteem, self-esteem. I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. The scripture says that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Have ye not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creators of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding he give a power to the faint? Them that have no mighty increase his strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are you excited about that tonight? Say amen. amen. Boy, I am. Amen. I'm glad about it. About to take a lap on general principle just run around the church just for the sake of it. Amen. Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and yet not one of them is forgotten before God? He felt like a fifth sparrow tonight. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you, the world thinks that they're worthless, but can I tell you tonight what Jesus thinks about a fifth sparrow? Can I tell you tonight what Jesus thinks about the fifth sparrow? See, I'm talking to some people in here tonight, and you know what? You say, "Well, preacher, you don't know my upbringing." You really don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know how much I need to get my heart right with God. Can I explain something to you? Stop trying to perform and just rest in the grace of Almighty God and say, God, if it wasn't for you, I'd be nothing and I can't do anything without you. So I'm going to stand on the naked grace of God and I'm going to give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor because of what you've done in my life. Can I get a witness right there? Amen. Stop trying to perform. I had a kid come to me one time, Peter, and he said, you know what, preacher, I want you to pray for me. I don't even think I'm saved. Can I explain something, pastor? He was the best kid I had in my youth group. You'd know him if I said his name, Nathan. He was at Tabernacle in Hickory. I looked at him and I said, son, let me ask you a question. Why do you say you're not saved? He said, because I just don't live for God like I think I ought to. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Do you know God loves you? He said, yes, sir. I said, well, what could you do to make God love you anymore? You know what he did? He started doing this, Reese. He started rattling off uh, these, these, these things. He said, well, I'll tell you what I could do. I could pray more. I could read my Bible more. I could, I could go out and witness to people more. I said, time out, son. I said, you know what the problem is? The problem isn't with God. The problem is you've got a wrong view of God. See, you're trying to do something to make him love you more. Can I explain something from here to the back row tonight? You could never make God love you more. He loves you with an everlasting love and it'll never change. God don't love you because of who you are. God loves you in spite of who you are. And I know I'm an old country boy from the United States, but I just want to go, whoa! I know, I know we're Baptists. We ain't charismatic. But I, you know what? Charismatic ain't a denomination. It's an attitude. Amen? I, I'm, ba- I'm Baptist. if you really want to know what I am. Amen? That's what I am. Thank you, brother. Need a cheerleader. God bless you. Appreciate it. Amen. Can I explain something tonight? What does Jesus say about a fifth sparrow? Because you know what? This preacher's been there before. I remember when my first church in Salisbury, and I went in the backyard of that church, and I laid in the grass, and I said, God, I can't do this. These people hate my guts. And I laid in the grass and I looked up into the stars, Peter, and I began to try to count the stars. And as I began to try to count the stars, I got enamored. I got overwhelmed because there's no way you can count them all. You can look and try, but you can't just do it. And I began to get overwhelmed. And God said, Brian, everything you see I made. I spoke it into existence. But yet as much as all of my creation resounds and, re- and, re- and, and, and resonates to the glory of my name, He said, I made you, and I know you by name, and I created you to glorify me. Now go and do it, son. Don't worry about what the naysayers come up with. Don't worry about the critics. Don't worry about the skeptics. You know what? They can laugh all they want to about me, but I'm going to shout glory all the way to heaven. I'm going to keep serving Jesus Christ because I am fearfully, awesomely, and wonderfully made. Amen? So what does Jesus say about a fifth sparrow? Well, I I give you a few and we're done tonight. I know y'all be like, I'm glad when you get done yelling. Amen? (laughs) Listen. Jesus loves ordinary people. Jesus loves ordinary people. You don't have to have some great gift. I mean, you look at the men of God that he's used in the past. I mean, even Spurgeon himself struggled with depression. John Wesley, Charles Wesley, they all struggled with something in their life. Every man's been broken. And by the way, folks, fixed people can't help broken people. Only broken people can help broken people. And God will never greatly use a man until he greatly bruises a man. So what you've got to do is you've got to understand God uses ordinary people. Ordinary. You know, I think about a man by the name of Elisha. He wasn't much. If he stood beside of his predecessor, Elijah, you wouldn't even recognize him. You wouldn't even look at him. He was nobody. But can I say something tonight? God can use anybody that's being willing to be used in the hand of the God that wants to use them. So what you've got to do is say, God, I might be ordinary on the outside, but thank God I'm extraordinary on the inside. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary work. You listen, you attempt great things for God. You can expect great things from God. Amen. And I didn't say that out an arm Judson did. Great missionary to India. Can I say this, folks? Tonight, God uses ordinary people. And can I say this, Shelley? I'm thankful for it, because I'm one of them. I'm just an ordinary guy. But you know what? One day in my life, I finally said, God, I'm done running. I'm ready to give it up. And you know what? I'm talking to somebody tonight. And you know what you say? Preacher, I'm not, called to be a, I'm not called to do what you do. Nobody asked you to do that. And by the way, if you try to do it in your flesh, you will fail. You better make sure you're doing exactly what God called you to do. I went to Mexico And I remember going up to a little mountain village called Tapalpa. And Nathan, while I was up there, we got to the top of that mountain, and I couldn't believe it. Our missionary, Weldon Jones, I looked at him. It's an ordinary man that served God for 32 years there. He died in a head-on collision from a drunk driver hitting him head-on. I remember, listen, in the van with him, we got to the top of that mountain. When I got out of the van, I looked, and there was a tarmac, a runway, that was built on top of that mountain. And I said, who built this runway up here? He said, go ask that guy. I went over to this guy and he happened to be a, the, the preacher of the church that was there at that time. His grandfather was the one that started that church. I said, sir, Brother Weldon asked me to ask you who built this runway. He said, my granddaddy did. 30 years ago. said, why'd he build it? He said, he built it because he said, if we build this, God will send us a missionary. Just ordinary people doing extraordinary work. God uses ordinary people, but not only that, but he uses overlooked people. He uses overlooked people. Y'all know a man by the name of Moses. I'm sure you've heard of him, right? Amen. Moses was found. God found him and spoke to him on what his marching orders were on the backside of a desert. You don't get much more remote than on the back deserts, one thing. When you're on the backside of it, that's another thing, Amen. God says, you know what, Moses, i got a task for you. You know, if, if, if I would have been... Now, nah, you better be thankful I'm not God. I'm thankful you're not God. Amen. But you know what, if I were, I would never... Listen, you know what I'd want to do? If I was going to choose a leader, pastor, to release my people from captivity, I'd, pr- I'd, I'd definitely pick somebody that was young, somebody that was very, very oracly gifted that could speak well had a lot of ability to lead people, I would have never chosen Moses. But God did. And you know what I I get from that? God will use whoever is available to his service. So you know what? If you're overlooked tonight, let me explain something. God loves to look and use for overlooked people. I heard a story, Peter, about a young man that went into a a pet store. they were a pet store where they sell dogs. And this was one of those places where they sold only the best pedigrees. Irish setters, Labrador retrievers, German shepherds. They didn't sell anything that was a mutt. Y'all know what a mutt is, right? Half breed, you know, some kind of all mixed up dog, you know, half of it looked like a lab, half of it looked like a poodle. They call it a labra poodle or whatever they do anymore. I don't know. They got to all these different different um, species now of dogs in America where they're interbreeding these things, you know? But he went into this pet store, and the little boy said, "Sir, I'm here to buy a dog." And the, the gentleman looked at the young man, and he said, had to be about 12. He said, "Son, wait a minute, you don't understand. All we sell here is the best breed of dogs. We have nothing here less than 800 American dollars. Some of them even go up 2,15 to, to 2,000 dollars for one dog. And he says, "But I want to buy a dog." He said, "Well let me ask you a question. How much you got?" The little boy reached into his pocket and took out $2.57 and laid it on the counter. He said, son, we don't have nothing here for $2.57. About that time, Nathan, an Irish setter dog walked out of the back with seven puppies following her. Beautiful dog. Beautiful breed. But as the seven puppies went by, about 15 seconds later, Peter, another one came behind them. And it was another little eighth puppy that was dragging its back legs just dragging them on the ground. And he looked and the little boy said, oh, can I have that puppy? And he said, son, that puppy ain't worth nothing. He said, it was born with no hips. It's worthless. And he said, I want to buy that puppy for $2.57. He said, why would you want to buy that puppy? Let me explain something, guys. The little boy pulled his shirt up and he had a brace around around his torso. And he looked at that pet store owner and he said, listen, sir, he said, I want to buy that puppy because see, years ago when I was born, I was born without a hip. And he said, I want to show that puppy that somebody cares and loves him. You know what? Maybe you're here tonight and you feel like you're overlooked and you're ordinary. Can I explain something tonight? God, Malcolm loves fifth sparrows. Number one, he loves ordinary people. Number two, he loves overlooked people. But number three, he loves and uses, now get this now, he uses obstinate people. You say, preacher, what in the world does that mean? The word obstinate, and some of y'all know this, it means stubborn. Can I get a witness right there of anybody that has some stubbornness in them? Amen. Don't, don't punch your wife, ma'am. Don't pu- I mean, sir, don't punch your wife. Get her to raise her hand, you know. God uses stubborn people. Hey, Moses, you know what he said? Moses said, I am not going to turn until I hear what this bush has to say to me. I'm not walking away from here. And God spoke to him through a burning bush. Listen, Jacob wrestled with God all night. And guess what? God started wrestling back and he said, let me go. And God said, I'm not letting go to you bless me. And you know what? Or J- Jacob did. And God said, no longer will your name be Jacob, but it'll be Israel, a prince of God. And you know what? I'm glad for a man who was stubborn enough to say, I'm not letting go to you do something in my life. You're welcome. Amen. <laughs> Can I explain something tonight, folks? God uses obstinate people, stubborn people. I'll finish with this. I know some of y'all are like, ain't no way he's done. Yeah, I'm done. I want you to listen. I want you to listen. I was reading a book, and I'm telling you this thing got all over me. A man by the name of Nathan Barlow, his name don't mean much when I just mention it, but I'm going to tell you this. If you get, if you get to heaven, you're going to know who Nathan Barlow is. Nathan Barlow was a missionary to Ethiopia. Back in the late 70s, he gave up a, listen, a seven-digit year salary to go into the ministry, Reese, and to be a missionary to people in Ethiopia. He was a dentist by trade. He gave it up. He he surrendered at a missions conference. I'm glad your pastor still has missions conferences. Amen. I believe God works in people's hearts and missions conferences. My people don't even like me to go to mission field. They say he ain't coming back. He'll, he'll fall in love with them people in Romania. He'll fall in love with them people in England. He ain't coming back to us. The only way I wouldn't come back is if God called me here. But I believe God's got to work for me where I'm, I'm planted. And you know what? I've got I to grow where I'm planted. you got to grow where you're planted. I don't care if you think your job is so insignificant that nobody knows about you. God does. Amen? God knows where you're at. This man, Nathan Barlow, you know what? He was on the field, and by the way, he ministered to people in Ethiopia, had mossy foot disease. It's literally a disease that affects people who work around volcanic ash. It's almost like leprosy. As he's working in that field, and I guess he'd been there about seven, eight years and not come home that he started to develop an abscess tooth. That's kind of ironic that a dentist would have a tooth problem. And the dentist, uh, this man, Nathan Barlow, said, I've got to go back to the States to get this taken care of. He got on a plane, rode all the way over to the United States of America from Ethiopia, went and sat in the dentist chair, and when he looked at the dentist, this is what he said. The pastor, he said these words. He said, sir, I want you, because the dentist said, you've got an abscess. We've got to take it out. We've got to fix it. And he said, well, while you're doing that, he said, I want you to pull every tooth I got. Yeah. Been out out in the sun too long, right? I mean, this guy said, I want you to pull every tooth I got. The dentist looked at him and said, but you've only got one abscess. He said, no, pull every tooth I got. The dentist said, why? He said these words. He said, because you're looking at a man who never wants to come back to the United States for an abscess tooth and be away from my people. I want you to pull every tooth I got and put dentures in my mouth because I don't want to ever be away from my people again. That's somebody that's got some spiritual stubbornness. You know what they did? Much like what they did to David Livingston. Some of y'all know him if you ever go to Westminster Abbey. His tomb is right there, but guess where his heart's at? It's back in Malawi, Africa. When, they, when that man died on the field, you know what they did, brother? They cut Nathan Barlow's heart out and implanted it under a tree where their little church was at and they said, this is where his heart will stay because it was here with his people and we'll send his body back to Iowa and be buried there. But his heart was here with his people. Let me ask you a question tonight. Are you willing to be used even if you're a fifth sparrow? I was coming home from church not too long ago and we've got horses out We've got two horses, and I went out to check on them because it was rather cold, and uh, we've had some problems with our fence line, and while I was fixing the fence line the other day, right before we left, as I was fixing the fence line, Tibby, there was these little sparrows that came and flew, and I'm like, man, they get on my nerves, you know, they're always, just always around you, and they're building those nests, like I said, that really wreak havoc on your top of your head if, you know, you're walking underneath the nest, and But while I was there taking care of that fence line, those little sparrows started to sing. You know, I often wondered, why would God even create a sparrow? It has no use, but it does have a song. Man, that thing got all over me, and I said, you know what? If God loves that sparrow enough to give him a song, then, Jane, I know he loves me. I know he does. And it gave me hope because I know that if his eye is on a sparrow I know He watches me. Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely, longing for heaven and home when Jesus is my portion? My constant friend is He. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know He watches me. If you don't know it, maybe you do, but you know what the chorus says? I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Tonight I want to ask you a question, Judgment Day Honest. You're in this room and you know what? There's some people in this room and I believe that I believe the Holy Spirit of God used His Word tonight to speak expressly to your heart about being a fifth sparrow because you don't feel like you're worth much of nothing. Can I tell you tonight that Jesus loves to use fifth sparrows? He loves ordinary people. He loves to use overlooked people. You want to know why? Because when... It's time to give the praise and the glory. We won't get it, but He will. And He loves to use spiritually stubborn people, obstinate people. I wonder tonight if you'd say, Preacher, God has spoke to my heart and I just want you to pray that I will allow God to use this fifth sparrow. And I won't, listen, I will not question anymore my worth to Almighty God because I know I'm special and I know He loves me just the way I am. And tonight, God's spoken to you and you just want me to pray for you. Is there anybody like that? Just stick it up and then put it back down. God bless you. Hands all over. God bless you back there, ma'am. Anybody else? God bless you and you, sir. You, sir. God bless you. Thank you. Once you put it up, you can put it down. The invitation is going to be simple. God loves you just like you are. And he says, I want you to come like that. I don't want you to come after the fact that you've tried to clean your life up. Come and let me do a work in your heart just as i am without one plea but that thy blood was shed for me and that thou bidst me come to Thee, O lamb of god i come i come can we do this tonight before pastor larry comes could we just stand to our feet right now stand to our feet right now heads are bowed and eyes are closed nobody looking around standing to our feet right now maybe you need to come tonight and just get get alone and do some business with god maybe you want to do it right where you're standing that's fine but you know what i believe I believe that there was, this was inserted in the holy pages of Scripture for us to understand that God cares and loves us. Father, I've done my best to rightly divide the Word of God. I pray tonight that you would do a work in hearts. Do only that which you can do, and that's heart work. And I'm going to love you, and I'm going to thank you for what you do in our hearts and in our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you love and use a fifth sparrow. We're not worth much, but God, we're the best you got left. So God, I pray that you'd help us to stand aside and watch you do a work through your church and in individual lives. And we're going to love you and thank you for what you do. In Jesus' name. Amen.